Hi, welcome to Five Days with Doug. I'm Doug Perkins. I'm coming to you today from Chicago. I'm sitting here on a chilly but sunny February day, spending most of my day actually trying to figure out how to get to Boston in the blizzard that is happening right now. So um, I've been chasing down flights all day, and I'm about to go to the airport in a couple minutes to see if I can maybe get out east. Um, yeah, we'll see. So it is that time of year for a traveling musician. Speaking of traveling, last week I was in Berkeley, California, uh, playing with my friends in a group called Signal. We were premiering a new Steve Reich piece. And uh, as a result, the next few podcasts come from friends of mine who I was hanging out with in California. Uh, the first one you're going to hear is with one of my really good friends who I've sort of gone through my career with in many ways, uh, Ken Thompson. He is probably best known these days uh, as the clarinetist of the Bang on a Can All-Stars. He is also a composer who has written for lots of great people and is a man on the scene in New York and elsewhere. Um, yeah, I admire Ken a lot. He's somebody who's who I always look forward to seeing, I always look forward to hanging out with, and um, I appreciate his honesty and sort of his... Um, his kindness. He is true to himself and true to his ideals. And as a result, is a guy who is always starting his own projects, is always writing something, is always throwing himself into something with his whole spirit. And I really, I really admire him, him for that. So I know I, I get a lot of inspiration from Ken. And yeah, I really, I really appreciate him and have appreciated him. And this is a great conversation. It's also my first podcast since we have a new president, so uh, unsurprisingly, um, our feelings about the future uh, in a new political era definitely definitely come up. Uh, anyhow, enjoy it. This is Ken, and uh, if you ever want to ask questions about the podcast or tell me what you like or don't like, you should always feel free to find me on the internet. Drop me an email, uh, send me a note on social media, let me know what you think. I would love to know what you think actually so here's ken enjoy It's an H6. It's an H6. I like it's good it. to know. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, H6 is kind of rocking. The preamps aren't. Did oh. you get it for this? I did. But I've used it for many other things. I was wondering, yeah. Is this four channels? Uh, could be six. I mean, it's like they have, there's oh, that. Right. That's why I think you can six. adapt. There's the. Uh, whoa. There's, oh, okay. That's I don't know for about that. um, your stereo. They come mm -hmm. with these little. Sorry, this is totally going to make the podcast. I don't know if I brought them. But they have, like, you get, to, it comes with two little. Oh. 
have one of oh, these. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The standard thing, and then the so you can use those two, the stereo pair, and then the and then the four. Right. And then I'm told that there's an adapter you can put on there if you wanted to make it six channels. I see. XLR. It's great. It's cool. It's so great. <laughs> it is great. I love that shit. <laughs> Well, thanks for talking to me with a microphone. Yeah, this, this is feels great. this feels oddly like therapy. <laughs> I realize you're in you're in my hotel room in a small chair. I have like the um, yeah, you're definitely David the daddy, Letterman. The daddy, I could chair. lay on the bed, but then is that weird? We could both <laughs> lay on the bed. There you go. We could do that. <laughs> um, oh fuck! Now I'm self conscious. That's good. I think you make me a little self conscious. <laughs> It's okay. I'm happy to. I think it's the microphones that make one self-conscious. I'm really pretty good about it. I think it's because of my relationship with you. And I feel like at some point you're going to be like, this is really stupid. Why do you make people do that? <laughs> I'm just waiting for, you know. The judgment to come? The no, judgment to come. come on. I think it's but maybe that will come later. Yeah, yeah. It's after I hear it. Um, How are you? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I've got to stop reading the news and then I'll be I'll Yeah, be I'm having happy. a bad. I'm having a bad news day. They're all bad news days right now. Yeah. You're going to the Middle East in like 24 hours. Yeah, it's not the real Middle East. Right. You're off to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it's Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what that's like. I feel like um, that's not one of the countries that's on the ban. I was thinking about that. Like what, you know, musicians who are traveling to. It almost makes me like want to travel to. I mean, I would want to anyway, but to one of those like seven banned countries just to try to make music and, and do things there just in order to kind of normalize. I mean, that's, isn't that one of the things about like musicians that were, were kind of like this ideally like these emissaries for like, Oh, you know, our governments are a shit show, but maybe, you know, we can get along a little bit. I mean, I guess that's the one beat idea too, isn't it? But just the, the small diplomacy capital uh, lowercase d you know yeah i feel like maybe we need to do somehow do more of that yeah on on this podcast six months ago i had my friend kyle on who's in this who runs this thing called manual cinema Mm -hmm. which is this um to oversimplify it i'll call it a puppet a puppet theater but they're not they do it's kind of like live cinema, live cinema shadow puppets is sort of what they do. But they were the one of the first, um, they were invited as an American group to Iran last year. And uh, when they came like in Tehran, they flew an American flag. And there was all of this great diplomacy around mm. because mm-hmm. puppetry is really big in Iran. Right. Um, because back when there was nothing, when the country was having bad times actually one of the only things they could watch on tv was puppets so like the country has a real love for puppets and his his company got to go and it was there was so much hope around that conversation um whereas today it might be different or seeing um i saw silk road posting some things today and like those poor musicians or one beat like yeah it's it's gonna screw up a lot of things yeah it's gonna make all of all of this collaboration and the lower lowercase d diplomacy you're talking about it's closing the door to a lot of potentially positive things yeah it's really too bad <laughs> well i Sorry. i wish i had more to say about that no 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 yeah I, I i think we're all we're I, all on the same page it's a, it's a, there's a huge question mark on what we're going to be able to do about this 
Yeah. So even though you're going to and what's you call I mean, not the like real I'm Middle East, the you'll have some interesting. Mall, well, you know? but you'll have some. Hopefully, you'll have some interesting conversations and some chance so. to. Yeah, I do hope so. With enough distance. Well, the whole thing is sponsored by NYU, so it's it's we're definitely in like America. I think when we go there in a, in a way, you know. So right. I can't tell, but we are doing a workshop with some students for a couple of days, so we'll. So I feel like most of the people there that we're going to meet are kind of imported from elsewhere. So, but that, that's also not the worst thing if we're getting to have a little bit of a global conversation. But it's interesting, you know. I've been working with this drummer recently who. Um, He's from Israel. He's from Tel Aviv, and you know, we, this was it was before Trump had been sworn in, so it wasn't the extreme like, oh yeah, he's really going to do all these things that it is now. But you know, he said, oh, you know, well, we have this leader who's like this. We have like a Trump type guy, also, you know. And in the back of my head was like, oh man, we've never talked about politics, but I'm like very happy to hear that you really dislike Netanyahu, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I just thought like. Um, we're getting we're it's come come back you know i've sort of forgotten almost like not having been embarrassed about our president for the you know having big right. problems with often, a good run. but not being like embarrassed by him for eight years that it's like oh yeah right okay go i now i have to go back to the the apology tour you know right. and that's what it's going to be and just the the just from the get-go and of course if i thought about it, he's from tel aviv he's a musician you know, of course he's not going to be pro Netanyahu. I mean, how ridiculous, you know. But um, it just was a good reminder, like, oh, yeah, right. We have to, even though the protests have been big, even though I think the world kind of knows that, you know, Trump actually lost the popular vote, even though I generally tell people I'm from, I'm from New York and not I'm from the United States, still probably the early disclaimers are probably a good idea. Yeah, and we're only only being a weekend on the protest side too. We have to talk in six months and see how everybody's doing. It's unsustainable. Because yeah. when I um, remember when I when I taught at Dartmouth, mm-hmm. um, the students were always rising up against something. Yeah, I had that when I was a student at Columbia too. But I was so much a part of the meetings of the elders who were like, yeah, yeah of course we're going to let them be as mad as they want because in a week and a half they'll be mad at something else. Yeah. So let's, so don't, don't stand in his way. See for us, when I was at Columbia, they, they actually called the riot police at some point. So slightly different way of doing this. Well, there's thing. only a couple thousand of us in the woods, <laughs> you know, like, there's probably like a frat party to go be inappropriate. At. Yeah. You guys different. do it better in New York, man. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There was, there was a hunger strike. There was, you know, there was huge, rallies and they literally nypd with like riot gear on that's uh the beginning of the, the that that really like managed to cement my great distress for educational institutions were you part of these events after or? they call yeah you know what i yeah i was after it just became the the response the university response is what pushed me to be like yeah i've got i gotta get over there and show myself because it's just like you're calling you know there's riot police you're calling on your peacefully assembled right you know student like what are you doing so i think that that was that you know before and it wasn't necessarily the thing that i was like oh i I need to go do this you know i'm I'm running around trying to you know make my music but anyway one of my small it's a small you know it's a small issue but yeah i I think it is the, the kind of thing that 
you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that everyone is so politically involved at this moment. I mean, to the extent that I see um, musicians who I know who have, who have um, tried to always be non-political on Facebook saying like, oh man, I don't even know if I can advertise my gigs anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can talk about music because it's like no one wants to see that. You know, no one wants to talk about that right now. So I assume we'll go kind of go back there at some point. But um, at the same time, we have to kind of keep the fire happening as well. And it's not clear how that's all going to work out. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting also traveling, I think, because I think things are internationally much different. Sorry to keep it on the political level. We can talk music in a second. But Sorry. it's different than like touring in the, you know, uh, in the Bush years, where I think the world was unified that he was the asshole. There's a lot of people who are problems now. Like, you there's a lot the, of Trumps. The, 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 there's the, a lot more Trumps than there were. So in some yes. ways, yes, um, we could find some brotherhood. <laughs> right. I see what on. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like when you're in the UK, you've got you, you're able to commiserate with each other. You can commiserate. Yeah, you can definitely yeah. commiserate there. Yeah. Right. You have your Tel Aviv friend. It's like we can have some friends in France, you know, like, oh God, I hope not, but yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no, I'd say that's actually, it's, it's a good point. Um, because Bush was just kind of, you know, this great embarrassment and, um, you know, the first four years of Bush, I don't know, I guess I've sort of changed with that, but the first four years of Bush, I would just sort of say, oh yeah, I wasn't for him. And by the way, that kind of got stolen and, you know, and, and there was always the part of me and probably a lot of the part of a lot of people on the left that kind of thought this, you know, this was a mistake this shouldn't have happened. Um, and it was a kind of a travesty of justice and okay. So there's that. But then when he got reelected, we're talking about W right. when he got reelected and somewhat decisively after all that he did for those first four years, and it was just so crystal clear to me what a disaster this guy is. And he gets, you know, more decisively elected. That was uh that was really a shock. And it was that, I, I think that shock really allowed, like, you know, I went to bed before, before Trump had like, won, you know, I didn't stay up till like right. whatever it was. Cause I know I'd saw, I, I felt like, all right, we've seen this coming before, you know, you just see enough States turn and you're like, oh shit, you know, he won. And, um, and I remember that, that feeling. And so I, I think what's changed for me now is that, um, um, I don't think that there's, I can't apologize for America in some ways because I think there's a lot of this country that, um, that I don't want to apologize for that I'm, that I'm really angry at and will continue to be so. So it's a, it's a harder line like to quite kind of get right now in terms of even what I'm apologizing for, what I'm saying. And I think maybe you're right that it's more about, more about commiseration than it is about I'm embarrassed for my country or what's happening. Maybe it's just fear, you know, like I can't believe, you know, this is, I mean, because this news that we're looking at the past week and a half, is like the same news that we've been seeing for the past half decade coming out of Turkey. You right. Know? And we're, and I'm looking, you know, we both have, you know, friends who are over there and you're talking to them. Like, I can't believe this is happening to your country, you know, um, but it always is the kind of thing that feels still has felt a little bit far away or a little bit, even if you visited, which I, I've been able to a few times, yeah, this feels a lot more like Turkey. This, yeah. It's suddenly I, like, Oh, this is our, this is a, this is at my house now, you know? Right. 
And so maybe it's that. And and again, you know, with Turkey, you know, Istanbul is like, this isn't us. We didn't do this, you know. And here and yet here we are. And it's incredible, you know. We're we're talking in Berkeley. Um, it's just you know, I, having grown up in the in the New York area, and then having spent so much time in New York City, and knowing about Donald Trump for this whole period of time, and and always being fairly fairly close to D.C. It's like we're we're right in the in the middle of this. But you're out here in California. And it's like you've, you you really get the feeling like wow, I'm so removed from that you know that other coast, and yet I have to de- somehow I have to deal with this you know, and it's a it's a really it's a kind of even more extreme kind of feeling that that we have in New York or Chicago that um, that things are happening that we are strongly against, and yet we're we're sort of to some degree powerless or we're trying to figure out if we have any power to deal with them. But anyway, uh, just the international conversation I think does get more tricky. The international push towards, um, you know, greater nationalism, I think is, um, yeah, it's something that maybe, you know, we should try to have a role in, in fixing. It's just, um, it's going to get harder and harder because at the same time, you know, the, uh, the funding for this kind of stuff is definitely dropping. And so it gets, you know, it gets harder and harder to, you know, figure out ways to, to make those inroads and to make those, make those connections. Yeah. I I mean, I I think the strongest, in terms of travel, the strongest experience I had with that, um, was that when Bang on a Can went to, uh, Russia now, I guess two, two years ago or something like that, maybe three, uh, well, we can figure it out. I know when it happened because it was basically we got there at the tail end of the uh, the Sochi Olympics. Right. I remember when you were there. And during that time period, they invaded Crimea. So it was like uh, invading uh, Ukraine. So it was like this very weird period where they were at the end of their, you know, kind of weirdo celebratory corrupt, you know, thing where it seemed like they were kind of bankrupting their country to do the Olympics. And then in the middle and then halfway through that, then, you know, they, they started basically overtaking a country and and watching firsthand watching Russia today, you know, their English Russia today that was in our hotel room made me understand propaganda a little bit better because I was seeing them use the, some of the exact same words that I see, you know, on CNN or, you know, our supposedly bias free news sources. Um, not that I love CNN, but I'm just picking something that's <laughs> theoretically neutral. Um, and just seeing how that they, how they, how they did that, um, kind of is leading me to understand what's the, the Breitbart world that we, that we apparently are living in now. When I got to Russia, I was picked up by, um, you know, our, our handler there at the airport who's, you know, really nice. And I, I sort of thought about veering into politics a little bit on our on our first ride home but just like sort of very gently and um and she was talking about arts funding in in russia and how it had gotten very difficult because sochi basically had taken so many so many of the resources and um and i said well that's um it's kind of a drag isn't it that um that you, you know arts funding is being cut so that they can do this this thing and she said well um you know, the country needs to do what the country needs to do. And I understand. And I would just hope that hopefully after they, you know, do the, do these, um, do these things and maybe some money will return to us. And that answer, like in the 
in a private car with just the two of us sort of shocked me because I'm, you know, I feel like any other country I would have been in, they would have said, yeah, like fucking government. Like, yeah, why are they fucking putting their resources into this stupid nationalist thing that makes no sense? And, you know, right. We but can, they we can talk the... about this, but she, she didn't say that to me. And it just, and it made me think about, um, and I think there's certainly, there have been parallels when I've been in China also, this, the way that people talk and the way that the assumptions of, of everyone there. So, and then we were, when we were there, I, I felt a lot of times there were one or two people who I felt, okay, I could actually make a connection with you. But a lot of times there was still this fairly thick kind of line there between, you know, the, we were working with musicians there and between some of those musicians uh-huh. and, and and us and uh it was in in some ways that was like we would have needed i think a lot more time to actually break down break down some of these barriers and the the perceived assumptions on on both sides i think first of all your mic technique is impeccable oh thank you (laughs) sorry i realized as you're telling that story most most of our friends when they talk into an sm58 are uh they get lazy and it just starts going like this and you are nailing it okay thank you thank you thank you um the proof will be in the recording. You're not wearing headphones. I'm not. Well, I'm dealing with classical people, and we've talked about this before. I don't even want to get into headphones. Like, <laughs> right, 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 like right, dealing, right, right. being that this is largely talking to people in classical music, it's enough to make them talk into a microphone, let alone, like, let's put on headphones and let's work our volume levels. Right, 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 right. I want them to try to forget as much as possible. But you are rocking it. Okay, thank you. <coughs> Yeah, international travel is <laughs> okay. Sorry, we can we can, we can move go, on. No, no, no. It's just it's a, it's a weird time to be talking about anything right now. I mean, that's the that's the problem. It's it's hard to talk. You know. Well, it's also know. weird. Like, well, even for us today, you know, in some ways, we're what we're doing today is like our twenty-two year old dream dream day. It's it's our wedding day. Like getting to like it's really premiere a new Steve Reich piece and like yep. hang out and play with our friends like. It is the thing that the younger, less gray-haired version of ourselves, though my hair still looks fantastic. It looks so good. Would you know, like, this was this would have been a culminating moment, but in some ways, I think we all we're all having a very different experience. Yeah, I've been thinking about that all week too. I, I, yeah, I don't know why that is. I have a few I have a few ideas, but it may just age may be part of it. Well, sure, there is age. We're all doing very well. We're all. This is one <laughs> of many that's great not what things. I was saying, but, yeah, but then, yeah, yeah. but then, but then also, I think I haven't had very many musical conversations this week among our friends. Yeah, none, basically. Yeah, when it normally, it, you know, it's normally a frequent topic of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a sobriety and a questioning of everything. Where yeah, and there's a certain uh, there's a certain level of okay, well here we are and here we're gonna do this and uh, yeah, and I think it's also, but there's also the thing. I mean, admittedly, that we've all been playing. It's different now because we we all have been playing Reich's music for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah we've all played all the notes and even. <laughs> oh, I haven't played all the notes yet. Lots of the notes. I've played a lot we've of the played notes. many a great many of the notes. Yeah. And we've worked with him a lot, so there's also those. I mean, it was still, you know, really nice having him in the room last night, and um, lots of smiles. But there, there was there, there was no of the 
I remember when he used to come in, there was the nervous, there were the nervous smiles. And last night there weren't nervous smiles. They were just like, hey, all right, cool. Yeah, let's, okay, great. Let's, let's play this, you know. And there was that one moment last night where he said, well, you guys know better than I do about this. So you tell me how you want, how my music is supposed to be, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah. No, it is, it's, it, it is funny that it, it all seems just so normal. Whereas I know that this, this piece has been in progress for a long period of time. And even when it started being in progress, I think everyone was super, even more excited about it then than I think <laughs> they are now. Right, Not to right. say that people aren't excited about it, but it's like, oh, cool, this is nice, you know? And it doesn't yeah. feel like, but I, I, yeah, maybe it's both things. It's like the external world is so heavy right now that we're just kind of like, it sort of feels like, okay, well, we're at work and we're going to try to make something good and... And okay, yeah, I'll lengthen that. I'll lengthen that note length. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, well, it's good to see him also like mellow and easy about hearing the piece. And yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, you did all the things that I would hope one would do with this part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Want to go eat Mexican? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think because uh, he doesn't have to say anything anymore. I mean, it's like we know basically what to do. Right. Which is nice. And I, I, I can only assume that he's getting more and more of that, of people who are like, oh, yeah, I know how to, I know how to do this. Right. And the piece was, commi- I think, co-commissioned by Signal, right? So I'm assuming that he kind of knew or expected what it, what it was going to be like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just writes music to write music, I think. I don't know if it's that crucial to him, like who who commissions the piece. I think he's more interested in the pieces themselves, but yeah. And I think he used the word, um, comforting when I was talking to him later he was like, Oh yeah, it was just so comforting to walk in and recognize everybody. Yeah. You know, he, re- he knew, he knew everyone in the room. Yeah. He really and did. He had kind of that Joe Biden walking into his medal of freedom moment. He was like, Oh, it's you. <laughs> and it's you. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Yeah. That was, that was nice. Yeah. Do you go home at all or do you go straight from here? I'm going. I'm going there. Um, yeah, I'm going to Abu Dhabi, and we're there for a week and a half. And then I'm going to Berlin, and we are doing. Um, uh, it's a asphalt orchestra thing. Actually, is happening in Berlin. Um, so Abu Dhabi is the all stars. Abu Dhabi all stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Berlin, we're doing. Um, it's kind of interesting what this wound up being. We were. We don't have like a a real like program that we're touring right now, so we're, we kind of made one up for this show. So we're going to be doing a little bit of the running around thing that we do, and then um, then we have like an hour plus show that we're going to do, and it's turned into this. Um, there's going to be music stands. We're going to be playing kind of like a. It's a the group is an octet at the moment, so it's got two drummers. So I think we'll. We may do double kit on a couple things or just have one kit mm-hmm. drummer and they'll switch off and then six horn players. So it's actually a smaller group and we're going to be like a wind and brass sextet in some ways. I mean, we'll have music stands and, and do that whole thing. And and the, the program is kind of turning into this like n- minimalism meets jazz kind of program, um, which I think came from a couple things and then it's sort of wound up cementing somehow um they wanted to do some work of so asphalt is part of the bang on a can family i should say so they wanted to do some work that that represented the three composers of bang on a can and so i arranged this michael gordon triple 
violin piece called Trio for the six horns. Um, it's incredibly challenging, and I'm getting flack for it, but <laughs> I think it's going to be cool. Um, and that's like very, you know, it's very Michael Gordon-y. It's very um, kind of mean and phasey and, um, you know, also great. And um, and there was a suggestion of, Mer of uh, arranging a Meredith Monk piano piece, which I did as well. We have this great, we did a Pixies record. Uh, uh, we did a cover, an entire cover uh, of the Pixies record a few years ago. And one of the arrangements was by Nathan Cosey. And he, it's a totally brilliant arrangement, but basically he turns Gigantic, the song Gigantic, which was one of their hits, into this like very minimal kind of, he just takes a ton of repeat. It's almost like Five Elements meets, um, yeah, meets Michael Gordon or something like that. Um, he just basically gives everyone these cells that kind of repeat and repeat, and then the, the melody of the tune just kind of comes out from those cells with those cells in the background, and then it opens up in the middle. Um, and, there, you know, so there's improvisation in there as well. And so there's that. We're playing some Charles Mingus. I arranged a Tune Yards tune, which is also very, like, my friend Peter said it's very, like, um, you know, music in similar motion or something like that in terms of how some of those things, if you're not hearing it on voices, if you're hearing it on saxophones, it sounds almost glassy. Um, and then a piece of mine, which is for my sextet that I arranged for the, um, for this. So it's turned into this, this, this concert that actually sort of weirdly makes sense, um, in some ways. And so I'm kind of excited about, well, about that's doing that. Actually probably a good use of the asphalt orchestra. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, this is, this is what, all these people can do. I mean, everyone can improvise really well. Everyone can, you know, play kind of difficult written music and why not see if we can put that together and fig figure out what that, what that kind of nexus is, you know? Will your family be around in Berlin? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How has parenthood messed with your, <laughs> do you want me to talk about this? I'm, I'm like on a parenthood, um, but there's like, I'm on a Facebook, uh, there's no mention of, uh, you don't have, we don't have to, a, we no, totally no, don't okay. have to, or we can speak in abstracts. I'm just as a, as a parent Yeah. without talking about. Yeah. It, well, it I'm, just, I'm way, I'm way earlier in than you are. So I, I'm, I'm, you're in the, things lessons. are still exploding. I'm, I'm putting, <laughs> yeah. I'm putting Humpty Dumpty back together right yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So he's continuing, he's falling off the wall for me right now. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I just remember after the first year, like somewhere about 18 months after having Jake, like. I had a great realization. It didn't, I was just a mess. I mean, in a wonderful way, but like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no idea, uh, how this is all going to work. It's been, it's been a great challenge. I've been, I've been kind of quiet about it because I don't want, um, I'm always, and I might, you know, kind of loosen up as, you know, as years go by when it's like, Oh, I guess, you know, He's got kids. All right, cool, whatever. You know, um, I'm always concerned about um, turning into that musician who can't play their instrument because they don't have time to practice or, you know, the person who suddenly like forgets about creating something because they've got a family life. So I'm, I'm very um, probably too conscious of that. But on the other hand, there is like there is the actual thing like time is an issue and how to and, and how to manage that and. For me, I was always a workaholic. So for me, it's like I'm working much. Everyone always told me, oh, it makes you more efficient. But for me, I think it, it actually is like 
what am I going to drop? You know, what, what I want to be able to do, you know, trying to do fewer things well rather than necessarily doing everything. So that's been interesting. And I think that's, that's kind of, um, maybe in some ways it does, it does kind of focus you, you know, but, um, I'm, I'm very serious about keeping the, the thing that's hardest to kind of, to continue with is writing. I think that's the, the hardest part. Because that's the long. That's the long. That's that's the thing that thoughts. always that's that always feels um, most. Um, uh, it's just easiest to drop. Look, you know, I can't I can't not play the clarinet at some point. You know, basically, especially the B flat clarinet is the instrument that. Um, if I don't keep up on that, it just goes away. It really uh-huh. does. You know, saxophone I can leave for a while and come back to, and it's happy to see me, and I'm happy to see it, and it's all good. But clarinet doesn't work that way. So it's like I know that that like that's the thing that's not negotiable. The other non-negotiable thing is that a lot of times you've got, you know, we have gigs and we've got to make sure we've got our act together, you know, to play this music. So that's also non-negotiable because it's very deadline based and it's like, okay, here's when the thing is. So I got to have everything together for that. Writing music, especially when it's for my own projects, is like extremely negotiable. (laughs) So it's like. That's the thing that always, you know, if I were really as good as I've gone, I've been in, even in the past few years, um, I've, there have been times when I'm like, okay, like every day I'm writing and everything is great, but you know, certainly in the past few months, I like haven't written a thing. So (laughs) it's really like, I know that that's got to come back. I don't know when that's going to come back, you know, very hopefully soon, but, um, it's something I'm very, in fact, I do have kind of a deadline for next summer. So that's kind of a good thing that I know that I've got, okay, I have to write this piece <laughs> between now and then. So it's really helpful. But that's, it's not, it's, it is that it's a kind of a long-term, more general thing, but it's also that, you know, it, it's the kind of thing that you can say, oh, well, I'll, I'll forget about this for a couple of days. And then, um, but unfortunately it is like any other muscle, I think. In the, and when I come back, if there, if I take like a couple months break from writing, um, it takes a while to kind of get back into it again and try to do something that's, I feel like that often the best I am is like after I finish a piece and then I start a new piece and then it's like, oh, okay, now I'm kind of feel like I'm in this groove and I can kind of move forward. Whereas I, th- I think, you know, not doing it for a while, you do fall out of practice and fall out of the creativity and you wind up just kind of, um, paraphrasing yourself or worse paraphrasing what you're working on in your performance life right just the <laughs> the worst thing you could do what is your life made up of these days like your musical life you know from afar you look like you have about 17 projects mm-hmm. that at any one point you're incubating or mm-hmm. resting or yeah yeah uh right it's but what is what is in your mind the actual breakdown of it i think that there's two things there's um I don't know. I'm Either by the dollars or by the t- hours. Dollars. Or Ugh, gross. By the dollar. <laughs> the dollar. You know how much money do I lose on each thing? Well, I think that my my anchor now, um, in terms of my, uh, like sort of performance career, is um, is Bang on a Can All Stars. I think, and they're partially because that group is very busy right now. Bang on a Can is their thirtieth anniversary season. Yeah, you guys G- seem to be. Julie Wolf's Anthracite Fields because it won the Pulitzer a year and a half ago. Right. And was Grammy Grammy nominated, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, like 
It's making the rounds. It's making the rounds, yeah, and it's a really, and I think that's the kind of piece that, I mean, of course it's Julie's, so it was written for us mm-hmm. specifically, but also um, it's the kind of thing that I th- that is, uh, I, I love it when Bang on a Can does this kind of thing, like the full evening length piece. I think it's just really, um, it's just really worthwhile and someone has a full concert experience and I think those guys I think Michael Gordon also in terms of his and David all three of them I think are moving in that direction in terms of what they're doing which is which is great anyway yeah so bang is money wise I think that's um and in terms of performance commitment I think think that's a lot of it but um and then everything else that I can fit in around there um some of which I have you know just as much commitment to but it's just you know literally when one thing has you booked in for the next two years and then we talked about this the other day you know how you um how you kind of try to fit in things beyond you know that are coming six months down the line instead of two years down the line and how you fit these things together is is always a challenge um and then in terms of my own stuff i mean i think i've been kind of on this idea of kind of alternating projects so doing things where i'm performing and by projects, I mean records, essentially, somehow that I still like, that's kind of my metric of what I'm doing somehow is the, the recording release. And, and maybe I need to stop thinking about that. But as of now, I haven't. Yeah, we were talking a lot about that at dinner last night with Ken Wayno. We were talking about the value of the value of records and defining ourselves yeah. through. I mean, I think I share that. I share that ethos. Mm-hmm. And, and that, maybe it's just because I'm 40. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's it. It's like I grew up with that and I can't get around it. But, but basically, like I'm alternating between projects that I'm playing in and performing in, and or maybe Im- include more improvisation and, um, and then things that are written generally for other people. Um, and so, you know, I just released this record with um, with uh, Ashley Bathgate and Carl Larson in the in the fall, and. I have just tracked kind of my next record that's going to be in in improvised music. That's your sextet thing. That's my sextet thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's where I'm looking at it now. I I feel. Um, I mean, it's all tough. Uh, I feel like I. I feel a greater resistance from the jazz world somehow. In terms of what I'm doing, or, or less, um, maybe it's because of my bang on a can ties. I feel like when I release something that is like obviously a composed music record, then I feel like more people pick up on it. Uh-huh. And when I do things that are, you know, kind of this hybrid world, kind of no one picks up on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's this thing where, like, you know, the the standard venues for you know, new music say, well, I guess that's not his new music project. And then the jazz people are like, well, what is this? This isn't jazz, you know? So that it's, it's been a, that's been the bigger fight. And, and there's definitely times when I'm like, why, maybe I should just stop doing this part, this part of my world. So I don't know. I don't have anything. I do have more things planned in the, the composed music realm, realm, but kind of in the jazz, new music, the jazz ish realm, I don't have anything necessarily planned after this record so we'll see well but and you, even and you, even this record feels to me like oh man i guess i i, I really i like this music a lot so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out but like i'm not sure why why i'm doing it other than you know losing well but a being lot of a money. sex head also talking to you about having known you through like gut bucket tours and slow fast tours and you know you lamenting life as the 
at least the the, the role of well, I'm talking to other people in that scene in New York, like the plight of the band leader. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you have to go on these, like, you're like, well, I really want to do my record release tour, so I'm going to just have a couple months of my rent, please, everyone. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, we yeah, can yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> That's it. So we can go have another road dog experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not, yeah, and uh, who knows why, but you know, we did in that last slow fast tour that you saw, like we did this gig in Minneapolis that was, you know, was recorded. They had a sound like a they multi-tracked it and the drummer actually mixed it and we had a video and it's like well that's probably the best that band sounded so that's cool uh-huh. <laughs> you know what i mean like so there was something that that came out of that and it's like maybe in some ways that performance is probably better than any than what we did in terms of in the recording so maybe there's that nice part of posterity <laughs> that's there as well you know um and uh, that that group finally did get we did get a like a European jazz festival a couple of years ago, which was like, okay, finally some like <laughs> something happened. <laughs> something happened. It's just, it's so unimaginable to me because I thought, you know, coming, I, I guess I just got lucky, you know, coming out of um, college and within a couple of years, like gut bucket was doing all these European ja- like jazz festivals and jazz clubs. And we would go on these like six week tours in Europe. And I was like, Oh, well this is, this is what this is going to be. This is what life is going to be like. And I was wrong. That was like, that was the tail end of an era, I think, for everyone. I mean, not... not yeah, just... I've been talking to... Well, like, I'm good buddies with um, Travis LaPlante. Yeah. Do you hang with Travis at all? Do you know Travis? I do know him, but... Well, just talking about all those... You know, he's he's kind of up in that scene of the the 90s improvisers that we came up idolizing. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. talking about how those dudes are... It's tough for everybody right now. That even, you know, for all the guys that we assumed were our... We looked up to you growing up. Totally, like, yeah. And that stuff has dried up across the board. It has, yeah. And just seeing like, you know, just being, you know, seeing Tim Byrne make comments on Facebook about, you know, being just sort of sideswiped by presenters just randomly in Europe. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, we'll get you the gig. And they're like, we've got no room on the season left except when someone really famous comes in. I'm like, well, I thought you would be in that category of famous jazz musician you know was, uh, especially when it came to like european stuff so um that's a shock i think in some ways you know just to see people who are like um established and as you said who we were watching in the night like you know i'd go down to the knitting factory and see him all the time in the 90s and then he would go on these long tours and then come back and um yeah and just to see him having those struggles well it makes me realize like okay it's not just me and it's not like I'm a failure. It's just the world at the moment, you know, the world is the failure. The world is the failure. That's right. That's right. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's interesting to see, but yeah, I do feel like, you know, as far as we are, um, concerned about the classical, like the world of classical music and where the funding is coming and how this is all going to work. The, the most dire people with this are the jazz people for sure. And they're the ones saying like, Oh, what does classical music get everything? And like, and you know, we're saying, Oh man, our, you know, the New York Times section, you know, our, the, the reporting in the Times is like, you know, going way, way, way down and like no one's writing about writing about this music. There's no there's fewer places to perform. It's like that times 10 in the jazz world, you know, and right. um, and there's still a great number of people releasing music. And, um, you know, one of my frustrations also with it is that my my stuff just takes so long to happen to make happen, you know, and the music is complex or maybe too complex and it's just you know i feel like we just recorded that record i 
I, I'm kind of starting to go through it now, and I, I hope that we... Uh, it's like it was on the edge in terms of were we ready to record or not. Uh-huh. It really was. Even though we'd done a bunch of gigs and we'd done a bunch of stuff, but the music just takes a lot of time to sink in. And I see other people in the jazz world that like they do one rehearsal and then they do a recording. <laughs> right. Know? And that's it. And I'm just like, oh man, that would be actually great. <laughs> that would be way easier, you know. But, um, and then the frustrating thing is then that all those records are released and then my record is released and it's all like, it's all kind of the same. It's all kind of the same thing, and some of those may be better. I mean, who knows? You know, easily. But um, not to say that there's has to be better or worse. Um, well, but it's so, also so a comment that's on a the fun, state that's of That's a really funny thing. It's a it's a tricky thing. Then I'm like, okay, well, but no, guys, but like this, like we really worked. Everyone worked really hard on this. Like, please check that. Won't you? Won't you listen to this? You know, but maybe not. You know, well, I think we're we suffer from being people who like to. We like to put the the blood into the project. We like right. to yeah, 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 put yeah, the yeah. effort in. And um, I remember t- talking to some some of my improviser friends about the also the plight of like, yeah, I don't know. You show up, put the mics up, you walk away. You can get magic, but also at the same time, like, what are we really doing? Are we mm-hmm. making disposable records? Yeah. Well. And you know, well, in a, in a funny way, I don't know if I mentioned. Part of, actually, I think doing the doing these podcasts for me has been a reaction to that, and that I realized, like, like you, I have, I think, three records that I'm working on right now for myself. <laughs> I'm, so I'm spending all this time and money yeah. into these records that I believe in and like I am passionate about, but at the end of the day. Some people will listen to them. If I print a physical copy of something, they will sit unopened in many of my friends and bins at radio stations and things. Yeah. Um, whereas what's funny is the thing that we're doing right now will be heard by probably more people than hear my records. Sure. We're going to spend exactly... We started two minutes after you walked in here and then it will end at some food probably. And like... This will be meaningful. I will I will get emails and people will find me to talk about right, right, right. this, which is just a funny whatever microphones and values and time and what's it all mean. This is a for, I, I think it's a little bit therapy, a little bit of chance to talk to my friends, yeah. but then also a little bit of like, well, let's make slapdash recordings of something that might be meaningful. Ah, uh, yeah. Because we don't never we otherwise don't get to do that. Well, and I think for me, I also realize that I like to put meaningful things into the world. <laughs> That's nice, but I think it is a question about what is. I, I've tried. I, I've actually tried. But going back to music, I mean, I've tried to do. Uh, there's a group that I played with a while for a little while, and we did some. Uh, and it was a totally improvised group, and we tried, I think, twice so far to to make a record, and both times. Was like, and, and we had had some great live performances, and um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we tried to record I think twice, and both times we were just like, meh, no, I, bleh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and I don't know. We're all, and the three of us are all also composers, so I think it could be the kind of thing where it's like, all of, it wasn't, it didn't kind of feel like 
wasn't composed enough wasn't composed maybe it wasn't composed enough or maybe it wasn't like to the to the intense standards you know so it's yeah it's me it's al mose and lucas ligeti we have this had this trio you know and of course lucas's music is is incredibly like detailed and composed and yeah. you know and difficult <laughs> um and al also you know he's a fantastic improviser but he also you know put all of his records have tunes on them you know so i think it's and i think there are people who just say okay well this is what happened in this day and that's what it is and it's a document and that's enough and let's put it out um but i guess i'm not yeah i'm not one of those people and i guess in some ways proudly not one of those people but it does kind of make me feel like oh man Maybe I should be just one one of those people. <laughs> Maybe that's fine, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm doomed to not be one of those people. I think yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <coughs> um, not to go back to. Maybe when I use think about you and parenthood. Well, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the the other thing though, I do see sometimes, and that that shocks me is that I've seen more in the classical, in the contemporary music world. Um. I do see a lot of times that people are like, oh, this is our, we're going to do this concert and then we're going to record it and then that's going to be done and we're going to release that. And that I'm also like, you know, that's in some ways that's similar to the, to the improvisers saying like, okay, what did we do today? You know? Right. And, um, and that also feels a little funny to me. It's like, really, were these pieces really ready? Like were the, were the, are these performances really ready? Is this like the best? This music? Are we representing, are you representing that music as best? And, as best it can be recognized and or represented. And I think, you know, maybe that's not, maybe the problem is that I feel having grown up with records, like maybe I feel too strongly about what that, <laughs> what that means, you know? And whereas in the next generation, if you grow up with, you know, just downloads basically, then, then why not? Why not just record the concert or just do it or like, do one performance and then go into the studio the next day and be like, and then just record it and then you're done. You know, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's all these things need to do be because the value of these things is not what you, Doug and I think it is. You know what I mean? So I, I do kind of go back. I'm still stuck in my ways, but I, I still kind of go back and forth between maybe I, I shouldn't be taking this so seriously. We, you value, you value that this, that, that analog tape cost a lot back in the eighties. You had to put it down. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Yeah. And nowadays, who cares what's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's even it's even funny thinking about like, well, sure, the media, you know, we're taking up two gigabytes of space when back when you, <laughs> you can erase it, when, you know, <laughs> even back when you were a label manager, that would have like crushed everyone's systems. That's right. That's right. Yeah, right. Two, what? How yeah. is that going to happen? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. How many tapes is that? <laughs> you're oh. probably recording in 9624 or some shit. So, you know, yeah, not. <laughs> I, I, probably I probably, some, <laughs> you're probably going way higher res on these 258s that, than yeah, you just, need to. Just 44. Okay, good. <laughs> it's okay. You know, by the time by the time we bounce it down and it hits SoundCloud, here you go. Your voice should still be recognizable. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried. <coughs> um, sorry, what, your parenthood. Oh, not parenthood. I, maybe it's maybe it's a maybe it's a, maybe you could change the word parenthood for adulthood. One of the things yeah, when it's it, one when of the same, I do believe I do agree with Steve Reich in that in that way, and that's like that's one of the reasons about having kids. He's like, you're, you want to see says like you are a child until you have one. Like isn't that one? I think that's one of his things. You know, there's some truth to that. 
Yeah, well, just when I think about you, one of the things that I um, admire is I, th- I feel like I feel like you're a principled man, Ken Thompson. Uh-huh. To to know you at least you at least you know present you present as a principled man. There you go. There you go. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know you're still out creating um, money sucking sex tets. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> That's traveling. the name for it. People ask, "What is what is this called?" <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and traveling to far off lands, and um, I think not envy is the wrong word, but I I admire as fellow forty year olds. Yeah. Well, it's actually one of the things that I um, I don't know. There are still musicians out there who are doing who are doing that and who keep getting better and better, and I think. Um, in some ways, being New York in New York is helpful with that. I'm sure you could substitute Chicago or L.A. or whatever for that. But just having um, this huge uh, continual, and I, I get worried that it's, New York is so expensive it's going to stop happening. But basic, but there's still this continual influx of people and talent. And, you know, there's a million new clarinet players. It feels like every every year you know um and uh i mean i guess to some degree with the band you know having like a chair like with bang on a can that it's like okay well that's sort of my that's my chair mm-hmm. that helps and it gives me the excuse if i wanted to to start sucking a little bit more you know but in terms of like free- well that's i guess that but is in terms of freelance mode which i'm still in at the same time because you know bang on a can it's not a full-time job by any means but it's longish money that, like, you can see, you can see that there's a hor- there's a horizon, and it's not tomorrow. Very, very helpful. Yes, exactly, and that's very helpful. Um, but I'm also glad that I still do have that foot in freelance world because I I do know that if I start sucking, then like there's there's no reason for people to call me anymore, and that's still very real. And there's the pride thing, you know. There's the thing like I you know hearing new people makes me think okay, like I've got I need to be able to make sure that I'm still at a level where people think, Oh, we, we want him and not the, you know, the next 24 year old. I was, you know, I work this trumpet player who I work with all the time. Russ Johnson um, is someone who just keeps, he, you know, he keeps just getting better and better and better as far as I'm concerned. And he, um, you know, left New York. He's near you now. Um, But he, uh, I think he's like using that time to just continue to get better. And he, he told me he heard, um, I don't know if it was a recording or just live. You heard this trumpeter, Ambrose Atkinmuser, and was just like, oh, my God, this guy. Oh, God. You know, and just went back into the shed and <laughs> kept working, you know. And, um, and, I f- and he just, he sounds so great. I feel like there are musicians like that who are just going to kind of take every new input and, and say, okay, I got that input. Now let's see if I can get better. Like, I, I do really, I hear sometimes that people say, oh, I used to do... I used to do X, Y, and Z. I don't really do that anymore. Um, I don't have the patience or I don't do, you know, especially people who ever, like I never was like a Fernie Hill person, you know, so uh-huh. I was never the person to be like, I'm going to spend like, you know, a year learning one piece, you know, and right. like figuring out all the math and then doing all that, you know. But, you know, sometimes I wonder when people say like, oh, I used to do this and now I'm like kind of backing, I'm going to chill now, you know, and I hear that from ensembles and I hear that from from other people and I feel like, for me, I, I kind of, I, I don't know if it's true, but I think like I'm the best clarinet player I ever have been. Like, I feel like I'm really getting, like I'm 
just getting better at everything. And I want to keep that moving forward. And who knows if I'll be able to keep doing <laughs> Like, I'm kind of scared that I won't be able to keep doing that. And um, my, like, and I feel like my life is a conflict between that state of being, which is not a state of adulthood in a lot of ways. I think that's not a state of, like, having children and, like, enjoying your time and being a real human being is, like, in some ways is, like, different from that, like, I want to, you know, I want to have the best like sound on clarinet. I want to be like super, you know, making sure that everything is super even and super in tune, super right, you know. Um, and I'm still like challenging myself. Like I'm writing this, the, like the sextet stuff. I keep, I'm writing like trickier and trickier and faster, like chord changes for me that I'm like trying to like get my mind around. And sometimes I feel like on this recording, I was like, man, I'm barely, you know, keeping up with what I've set myself up to do, you know. Um, and it makes me feel weak, but I think that's also a good, in a lot of ways, that's a, that's a really good feeling. But all of that is like, if I had more time, if I had more hours, if I had more bubble, you know, so, um, yeah, it's hard. I feel like that in some ways there is a natural conflict between, you know, being an adult and then not, but not letting yourself slide because you're an adult. That's good. I, my, my cousin, a couple, maybe it was right before Christmas. We were having a pre-holiday, after-dinner, family man moment, <laughs> and <laughs> he asked me if I he asked me if he th- thought my I was losing my fastball yet, and it like it got in my head big time. Wait, what does that mean? Just like, am I slipping as a percussionist and don't even know it yet? Oh well, that's the f- yeah, of course that's the that's the nightmare yeah. So I think I've been. <laughs> yeah, that's of course that's always in my head. Yeah, it's like I think am I really? And even I think I tried to allude to that. Like I think I'm, <laughs> I'm the best right, right. I have it. <laughs> I think. Well, I, but I I'm think not having, sure, you know? I think having the feeling is like most of the battle. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe right. If you come in like I am a gunslinger, then you're doing great. Right, right, right. But it, I'm. It depends on the day. On good days, I feel like I'm as, you know, I feel like I'm as mature a musician as I've ever been. Yeah, the way I think about things yeah. and the approaches I have, and so I I like I like where my brain is, and I can look at my younger self, yeah, with some perspective. Yeah, but I think the other thing, the the difference between you and me though, is that I've never had. Maybe I always feel like I've been playing catch up, you know, because I didn't go to a conservatory. I'd never had I'd never had a period in my life where I've been practicing eight hours a day. I've just never had that. I've always been doing other things. I've always been, you know. Um, running around and organizing things and, and doing things and um, even though I've been solid about it they've never I've never had the time where like oh now my technique is perfect and then everything else is just trying to catch back up to that I feel like I've always been like pursuing this elusive thing I think that's been more the the, the state of my past 20 years rather than rather than anything else and maybe part of that comes from like and we're also impacted by the teachers that we had along the way. And I, I didn't have the most like supportive, you know, teacher when I was in college. So I think that might be part of it also that, um, you know, that I always like that, that experience kind of made me feel like, okay, well I'll never really be there, but I can always kind of try to get better and get closer to being there. Well, and speaking about being adult, I think it's now that I'm actually one of the teachers at a conservatory. Yeah, you are. I think that probably like, does less for me than I mean it does many great things for me but it's a it humbles me more than anything of when I can you know you walk in and you proclaim you need to play this impossible thing 
And they're like, oh, well, I've memorized that last week. What else should we be working on? And you're like, <laughs> I can go home and, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I, I practice because I, I think I practice more when I'm not traveling. Like I just came out of a non-travel phase. So every day I was practicing in my house, even doing like fundamentals. And maybe that's where I feel like my, I don't have my fastball. I feel like. I feel like by this evening I will be playing fine and we will play a great and compelling concert and I'll try not to hurt your ears too much because <laughs> you are six inches in front of my, yeah. my mallets. So just to play the high register. It's fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, mostly I don't. That's good. I know. Bill, yeah. Bill across yeah, the other side of the room is subjected to that. But yeah, it's like, I, f- I think the warm ups take longer and, and maybe the, because of being, having, a full life clearing my brain to like memorize some complex passage of music. I have less hours to do that. Yeah. I guess I also don't even, I don't even care about that kind of thing. I mean, for me, I'm when I hear new players, especially like in the contemporary music world, I'm, I just want to know, can you play in tune? Can you play in time? Um, you know, how's your chamber music ability? Like to me, that's what's, that's what's really important the the flashy i guess i i'm not necessarily impressed maybe it's cuz it's not how i've cho- chosen to do my life with like the the super showy solo thing i'm more interested in like okay well how are you interacting with other musicians and and how is your you know right how is your music making also and the older i get the more i'm there but i'm just plagued by well i'm plagued by my students and my younger self who was the mm. right who was that thing <laughs> was that thing the the memorizing and, and getting it yeah yeah, yeah 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 we were we were having I'm pro memorization i just wanted oh that's put fine. that out yeah, there. yeah. we were but. we were just having a we were having a funny moment um in our quartet rehearsal we're doing reich quartet and you know now there's all these young groups memorizing that piece and we are very reading it and we none of us are going well Maybe Oliver would be into it. Yeah. He would be into it. But, you know, we were all like, ah, we were having our old man, like our old man moments about it. Uh, And when some of the band was being like, I would never have done. I was like, well, okay, to be to be fair, I used to do that for about for a long time. But yes. Now let's motherfuck that as an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it's a bad idea. I I do. No, 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 I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Okay, okay. I totally get it. I'm. (laughs) I'm I'm that. I'm adopting an old man posture. Right. I think memorizing memorization is wonderful. Actually. Well, and I think learning how to learn deeply is very important. And that well, can and be that's really it. the point. It's like I've never I don't think I've ever regretted memorizing something. I mean, it's always like I always learn something about the music by memorizing it. That's just that's how it is. Because in order to memorize it, you have to understand it, or to at least see the patterns in it, or to you know, and. Um, it's always that's always useful. You know? Well, in, in in learning to memorize some chamber music back in the day, you learned how to go deep into the score, and you learned why you have to go deep into the score. And right. You learn a different kind of chamber music of like, I'm always going to get screwed here. So suddenly that end of two is life and death to me, and you know <laughs> right, like right, how right. is that all? Good? So that 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 process, I can. But bring that also, the amazing thing though about memorizing something though, and maybe this this comes from where. So, you know, Gut Bucket was always all memorized and our music um, got more and more complex over, you know, 20 years. We're almost there. Facebook told me we did that show a year ago today. Oh, My right. Facebook memories. Oh, man. 
Yeah, that was a good one. Good bucket DP. I really enjoyed that. Um, Anyway, that's right. You sat in with us on on our last last tune. Um, But we're all memorized. And um, the amazing thing in that world about memorization is once you memorize the tune, you don't have to take it so literally anymore. No, I know that is like the the worst thing you could say to someone who's like in a conservatory, you know, but and who's like working on perfecting some piece of music. But when a lot of times, and I found this too with Asphalt Orchestra, when we've memorized stuff, it's like the music starts to kind of come off from the page a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. It's actually great because there's a the, certain things breathe, certain things change. And you make the kind of decisions you never, because you understand the music enough and you know what's coming next, you make certain decisions that you would never make if you were just looking at the, looking at the page. And to me, that's, that's really wonderful. And I've discovered going back to Nathan Kosey's arrangement of Gigantic. It's like, I had it memorized and then we shrunk the band members and then he had to kind of redo the arrangement a little bit. And now it's like, I have I've kind of been forced to go back to the page for a little bit, and maybe I'll if I'm can get my act together, I'll try to get it back off the page again before we do it in Berlin. But the way because it's these repeating cells, I realize that it's really the the it's not in four, it's not in four, you know. And to go back to reading it in four, it's like it's just like ugh, I like I screw up all the time because it doesn't make sense to me anymore. You know, he wrote it in four because it was sort of like an easy common time. Um, but it's well. If it's for a marching band, you probably should write in. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it just doesn't really make sense, you know. And so there's a lot of things like that that I feel like memorization is good. I mean, often it's not necessary, of course, you know. But um, I, I, as I said, I've never, I've never regretted it. And that's another, that's another thing. Like, I'm glad that gut bucket still exists and that I have things to like that I that I'm am keeping to push myself to be off book about something. Because I don't do it in my own projects because we all have music stands and what's the big deal and we don't need that, you know. But, um, you know, with Gut Bucket, it's just so um, hampering to have a music stand in front of me that I just do anything possible not to... Not yeah, you to have that. to move around a lot. It's like it's like the Gut Bucket thing. I got to do... Yeah, I guess just got to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels funny. Otherwise, it feels... Yeah, it's just been so long that... <laughs> yeah, it'd be okay. sad. You're like, it'd be sad. Yeah, it'd be sad. Yeah. Uh, is Gut Bucket gonna? My impression of Gut Bucket is that it's been going on for so many years that it will probably continue to live in some form. I hope so. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it, it's um, all of us have got stuff to do and a lot of stuff to do. So I think um, we decided um, we decided our last set of music. We basically we we. Um, I don't even remember what happened, but we basically had a had a tour in Europe, um, and we just brought Pat on, into the band. And I actually said, like, "Hey guys, like, if we're gonna do this tour, like, let's do new music because we got to do it." And that like spurred like a few years of stuff for us that we were like, "Okay, we're working on this new music." Um, that then wound up being, you know, this this week that we did at the Stone, we did the record, and then basically culminated in that tour essentially i think i can say now that tour last year that we did that you that you joined us on which was a we did europe and then we did um the states the states ha boston (laughs) (laughs) the states he says (coughs) i wish i wish it were more of the states i think we didn't do that much in the states or what i remember but um you did enough that i think there was some really bad routing 
I think there was bad routing. Yeah, but there's always bad. <laughs> there's always bad routing. Yeah, yeah. No, there was. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it's probably like okay, what's the next? What's the next project that we're gonna do? And hopefully we, hopefully that happens. It will. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned. I was just thinking about it in light of mentioning yesterday that I think I referred to my duo with Todd is not dying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I mean that lovingly that like we've been playing music together in some form for 20 years or yeah, something. Exactly. And like similar we're we both have lots of stuff to do and have kind of in one sense. Well, he's got, it seems like he's got videos to make. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, yeah. So he, like we both have these very full lives, but it somehow we, things keep happening and it stays yeah. on and there's zero reason that I think either of us would ever call the other one and say like, we're done. We're done, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think it right. will continue to ebb and flow. And maybe we're, maybe we're at, we might be at the phase you were at gut bucket of like, we're getting close to the end of a to-do list right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when there's been a long to-do list that we've been working on and things keep coming up. So we still have, and some new things are kind of, popping up but at some point we'll have to have the meeting of like what is the next big the thing that i understand now also is in terms of um at this point i mean as i said you know the europe thing has gotten weaker and weaker but when we do go over there we know with gut bucket we know that there's certain people who we're definitely gonna we're gonna work with you know and um and those people are not necessarily the same people that would want to do a slow fast gig with me or a sextet gig or something else. You know, those are, there's people who are fans of that band and want to bring that band. And I think it's the same, you know, that, that was always something I didn't understand. I think in some ways that like, I always thought, Oh, okay. Once I know these people, you you know, the presenters and I'll just bring whatever I do, you know? Um, but it's not necessarily true, you know? So there's some people who are going to, are going to say, Hey, you know, Meehan Perkins needs to come to, you know my venue and you're like oh well i got the solo project they're like well that's okay like (laughs) right that's nice but (laughs) yeah what we want is this group you know and so i've started to kind of understand that as well and not sort of fight like i I just didn't get that for a while i think and i was sort of fighting that and now i'm sort of getting that and um and it sucks because i feel like with every new project in some ways i'm sort of starting starting over. over yeah which is a real drag, you know, but it's just, it's just what it is. Well, or it's a different thing that for me, I've started to realize that I've pared down to what I'm always just selling me. Yeah. And then me has like, if you were selling, do you want bang in a can to do uh all-star show? The all-stars, do you want to do a greatest hits show or do you want the new piece by Julie or, you know, so right. then with then it's like I have relationships with people now where I'm like, Do you want me to do my thing? Do you want me to build you a big project? Do you oh, want that's me to cool. do right. a Todd thing? So that then and I think that used to feel weird because I wanted to I know with Todd it felt weird because it was like if we were doing that, like I wouldn't want to sell myself. Right. But now like in my network I have a network of people that I work with and then I can plug I'm like a, a manager for my own projects that's, in a way. That's, yeah, that sounds ideal. Yeah. And then, but that still ends up, what I've also realized is then that adds, adds up that like enough people want, if I do it that way, enough people will still want a duo project. Sure. 
yeah, we yeah. still have a season that looks like a season that Todd can show up for. And right, 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 exactly. Yeah, and of course it also makes sense. You know, it's like just because Signal is playing at UCAL Berkeley doesn't mean that you know that Gut Bucket's going to then go play UCAL Berkeley. I mean, it's just these are different things. They're apples and oranges, and so in that in that in, in that extreme example, like not extreme, but in that example, it seems like okay, obviously, clearly, <laughs> you know. So then you can then sort of drill down and see that a little bit more. Like, oh, okay, yeah, right. This this makes sense. So. Okay, I think we're good. <laughs> I don't know if we went anywhere with this. I feel good about it. I think Great. we did. We Great. did. Holy shit, the world. <laughs> we did. You do projects. Right. You have a level of certainty and uncertainty about all of it. Right. Yeah, that's about. A little that's of the about can it. shown through. <laughs> there you go. Grown up, not grown up. Right. Right. All right. Good. <laughs> you, good and, you, and you held great. that mic. You nailed it. You get best. <laughs> This is probably like these podcast fucking, twenty these, by now. These fucking mics, man. They, I mean, how many? You know, if there's one mic we should know how to deal with, it's this one. I hate. You know, I hate. I I know how to use it. I just hate. Like I get them. You know, we get them all the time. And uh, with a clarinet, this mic is just terrible. Because I feel I always have to. Mo- I have to move the instrument to have the mic pick pick it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's not the right mic for a clarinet. No, it's terrible. But I get it all the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not all the time, but plenty, but plenty. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, if you get out, you know, you have to move. Yeah. You have to come to this mic. It won't come to you. Did you know that, um, these were made originally for the military? No, I had no idea. Sure. Sure. Started out, um, making microphones for the military. And so they have this standard, like there's like, the government military grade standard of things you have horrible things you have to do to the microphone. Oh, and that's why they're so indestructible. Yeah. So they, they still make things to that standard. That's incredible. I only know this because their headquarters is four miles from my house. And one of their engineers is one of the cub scout dads. Oh my God. So, so when I'm bored on a cub scout trip, I can go talk microphones. And then his son thinks it's really cool that he knows that I have, shore mics in on my house and we're we lauren is the scout master mm-hmm. but so when his son comes over he's always like now tell me again how many shore microphones do you have so you okay that many 57s how many 58s oh my god do you have a nine what do you there's a 59 no no not a 59 it's what wasn't it the sm9 oh right which yeah, is yeah. what if you were at my house if if i had a studio if we were doing this in a studio i think that's what we would have on the desk i see i see <laughs> Okay. All right now this is terrible. Trail off okay,
Thank you.